can anything be made into a movie? That's a question that's uh, occurred to me a couple of times, and my ultimate answer is yes. One of the previous episodes here is a pretty well-liked film that was based on a board game. However, video game adaptations uh, put this to the test. Uh, there are a lot of terrible ones. We did an episode about Mortal Kombat. That brings us to Sonic the Hedgehog. This film uh, came out a couple of months ago as of this recording, and uh, it wasn't as well received. We'll be talking about the uh, bizarre road that this film came to being made and its interaction with fans on the internet. However, it did make a lot of money, and uh, its target demo seemed to like it. I'm bringing one along for this episode. Uh, that being said, having just watched it for the first time, uh, it is a cut-and-paste boilerplate story about... Uh, road trip buddy movies with a cartoon character. However, it struck a chord with people, and uh, I want to explore why. My name is Ryan. It's a real deep dive. All right, joining me on this is my nine-year-old nephew, Toby. Say hello, Toby. Hello! That was, that was proficiently loud. You were, you were improving. Okay, and yeah, you really like this. You were excited to see it. You, you were into the trailer, even when it was the old design for the character, the former design. And despite the fact that your mother and I had no interest in it whatsoever, you stuck to it. I admire your principles, because you didn't change your mind just because you thought it was it was uncool. You were on Team Sonic the whole way. Yes, I know I was, and I went to see it three times. Or two, excuse me. Yeah, you saw it in theaters twice, and then one more time with me. And uh, yeah, yeah, you're not you're not the type of kid who will watch the same movie over and over again. So this must have struck some kind of a chord with you. I don't know, but I went to see it with Auntie Mel and my father, and now I watch it with you. And I think the movie was a pretty decent movie. I don't understand why my mom hated the movie so much. Well, she hasn't seen it. She hasn't seen it, right. But I don't know why she thinks she's going to hate the movie. I don't know if she's going to hate it if she watched it. That'll be one of the things that we can explore. But before we get into it, I want to talk about the background of the character first. Uh, it was created because Sega wanted a uh, cartoon mascot to compete with Nintendo's Mario. He was created by uh, Naoto Oshima and uh, Yuji uh, Ukawa. I am probably butchering both of those. Uh, there was a uh, part of a list of characters that they were doing, and uh, you know, one of them uh, ran an informal poll where he stopped people on the street and showed them cartoon character designs and asked them which ones they liked. The most popular one was this character called Mr. Needlemouse. The second most popular was this round guy with a bushy mustache who kind of looked like uh, Teddy Roosevelt in the shape of an egg. They decided on uh, the ca uh, Mr. Needlemouse, who they eventually made into a hedgehog, and the round guy they decided was going to be the villain. The character was uh, optimized to be very easy for children to draw. As someone who was a small child when Sonic made his debut, that is true. I uh, drew a lot of Sonic the Hedgehog because he's just an assortment of triangles. He was given a cool, scare quotes, uh, 90s attitude, which they apparently based on Bill Clinton's first presidential campaign, which strikes me as very odd. They decided to make him blue to match the Sega logo, and they gave him red shoes to uh, match the ones that Michael Jackson wore on the album cover for Bad. The first game was released in 1991, and like most video games from that period, it's a pretty simple, straightforward story. Uh, the bad guy, dubbed Eggman in Japan and Dr. Robotnik in Europe and North America, is 
is this mad scientist who transforms uh, animals into robots and just develops everything. Whereas Sonic is a rebel who is smashing the robots in order to free the animals. That worked really well on me as a kid. I just ran around all the stages smashing all the robots because I thought it was helping the little, uh, little animals. Breaking things for peace really appealed to me. Yeah, that gave the game something of an ecological bent, which this movie kind of skips over. The character was instantly popular. He got a number of outside media adaptations, an Archie comic that's still running, although it transferred over to IDW, and a couple of 1993 animated cartoons, which I haven't watched since they were new, but have probably aged terribly. Now, the later Sonic games aren't particularly well regarded, uh, but they do have their fans, and the character has, like, 18 different in-continuity game reboots and hundreds of side characters that I don't care about but apparently have their fans. Now, Toby, you're a little bit of a Minecraft, Madden, um, you're you're in the Mario Kart, but you, you have played a little Sonic. I have, and I don't usually play a lot of it. There's a Sonic racing game I play on the Switch, and there's like the normal Sonic that you would find on a PS4, like an old version of Sonic. Yeah, he's referring to Sonic Mania. We've uh, we've run through that a couple of times together. He is not fond of flying Battery Zone because he doesn't fly so much as he plummets. Yes, I don't fly as much as I plummet. <laughs> Okay, let's go. Let's break down the film's plot. It's a pretty straightforward kids movie, as I said, uh, cut and dry, boilerplate script. But uh, Sonic is an extraterrestrial blue hedgehog who can run at supersonic speeds. In case you people don't know that, now he's being chased by a uh, tribe of uh, anthropomorphic animal characters because they want his power. One of them is probably going to turn out to be Knuckles if they make more of these. Now Sonic's guardian, a wise old owl named Longclaw. I don't know if she's ever existed in any previous incarnation of the character, I stopped paying attention to Sonic around 2003. But yeah, she gives him a bag of rings that can generate portals to other planets. Now, Sonic hides on Earth, but he also gets a map to a mushroom planet if his Earth sojourn doesn't work out. Now, uh, Sonic lives a peaceful life for the next 10 years in the small town of Green Hills, Montana. Hey, eh, get it? That's, that's a little, little reference there. He idolizes local Sheriff Tom Wachowski, who he names Donut Lord, and his wife Maddie, whom he calls uh, Pretzel Lady because she's into yoga. Uh, Tom, he is uh, considering a move to San Francisco to join the police force there because his goal is to stop being one of those minor small town sheriffs who are helping people jumpstart their cars and helping kids lost in a blizzard or whatever. And he, he wants to like really, really save a life. That is very clearly meant to be his principal character motivation. This film is in very broad strokes. Now, uh, upset over his perpetual loneliness, Sonic causes an EMP while playing baseball by himself, an electromagnetic pulse type of thing. The blackout arouses the interest of the military, who sends in uh, Dr. Robotnik to investigate. Robotnik quickly finds Sonic with his drone robots, and uh, Sonic flees to Tom's shed. But before Sonic can flee to the Mushroom Planet, a startled Tom shoots Sonic with a tranquilizer, which sends Sonic's portal rings to San Francisco, and also paralyzes his legs uh, for a little bit. Tom reluctantly agrees to accompany Sonic to San Francisco to recover the bag. Tom and Sonic have to flee Robotnik, who labels Tom a domestic terrorist and begins chasing him. Tom and Sonic bristle each other at first, but like five minutes later, they gradually bond to become good friends. And from here on out, it's kind of a buddy road trip movie. And they even have a fight in a biker bar, because ever since Pee-wee's Big Adventure, all of these movies have to have that scene happen. Robotnik recovers one of Sonic's quills, learning that they can power his robots. This makes him even more obsessed with capturing Sonic than beforehand. 
While they're bonding, Tom and Sonic learn about Bucket List, and uh, since Sonic's leaving Earth for Boring Mushroom Planet, they, they do a couple of things together, and that's where they become bros. However, Sonic learns of Tom's plan to move to San Francisco, and expresses his severe disapproval at that, mostly because Sonic is needy and codependent. Sonic is injured by an explosion shortly after defeating one of Robotnik's robots. However, Tom brings him to Maddie, who uh, is checking out neighborhoods in San Francisco, and she revives him, uh, and uh, Sonic receives a pair of his iconic red shoes from uh, Maddie's niece. Sonic is attacked by uh, Robotnik and a hovercraft as he's trying to pick up the ring bag at the top of the Transamerica Pyramid. Sonic sends Tom and Maddie back to Green Hills and runs off. However, Robotnik can match his speed with the quill, which he's adapted into his robots. The two race around the world, stopping in Paris, the Great Wall of China, and the pyramids, but wind up back in Green Hills. Uh, Robotnik incapacitates Sonic and seemingly kills him, but Tom and the townspeople race out to defend him. Sonic recovers, defeats Robotnik, and sends him to the Mushroom Planet instead. Tom and Maddie decide to remain, and since Tom managed to save a life, and he has realized that the, the simple people in Green Hills, Montana, are where his heart truly lies. But they do allow Sonic to move in with them. The government erases all records of Sonic and Robotnik. However, we take a look at a crazed Robotnik, still in possession of the quill, on the Mushroom Planet, plotting his revenge. He's, uh, he shaved his head and put on some, like, goggly pince-nez so he can look more like the video game character. And then in an after-credits scene, Tails arrives on Earth because Tails the Two-Tailed Fox is looking for Sonic. So that's the movie in a nutshell. You seem like you want to say something, Toby. D did I forget something important? Alright, I thought I covered everything. Alright, let's talk about the cast first off. Uh, ben Schwartz is the voice of Sonic. And uh, uh, what did you think of his performance, Toby? Do you think he was a good Sonic? Yes, I do think he was a good Sonic. Yeah, because you know, Sonic is usually sassy. He's, he's, he's extreme. He's breaking all the rules. He's a super Sonic hedgehog. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, he's uh, he's supposed to be like an antithesis to Mario, and Mario uh, doesn't really have much of a personality. He's, he's a jolly fat plumber who's kind of cheerful all the time, so he needs someone who's rude. Somebody to be the uh, Bugs Bunny to Mario's Mickey Mouse. Yes, and Mario also likes spaghetti. Mario likes spaghetti, and in this film, Sonic eats a couple of chili dogs. You probably didn't pick up on that reference, maybe because we didn't make you watch cartoons that bad. Yeah, because uh, in uh, 1993, this is still in the era of Ninja Turtles when Sonic got his cartoon. Like, every cartoon character had some kind of junk food they were obsessed with because the Ninja Turtles like pizza. And Sonic got saddled with chili dogs. So there's a gag where he eats chili dogs in the in the biker bar and then upsets Donut Lord with his messy wet farts afterwards. Ben Schwartz is probably best known to the people listening to this as uh, Jean Ralphio on Parks and Recreation. However, he is uh, Rutabaga Rabidowitz on BoJack Horseman, which you have not allowed Toby to watch yet. He also voices Dewey on the uh, newer version of DuckTales, which we have allowed you to watch. Uh, is it a little weird hearing Dewey's voice come out of the hedgehog to you? Yes, it does. I'm just like, what? Huh? What's happening here? Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, Sonic sounded like Urkel. Also, you probably don't know who Urkel is because we didn't make you watch shows that bad. You live in an era where we, you can just pick out what show you want to watch and you can just turn on the TV and you have to watch whatever or, you know, flip through a hundred channels. All right, next up, uh, Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik. Now... I thought that casting Jim Carrey as Robotnik was a pretty cynical move because, you know, Sonic is an icon of the 90s and 
us millennials are in our late 20s to uh, early 40s at this point. And while Sonic was at the crest of his popularity and relevance, uh, Jim Carrey was also basically what every kid was laughing at during that day. I would play Sonic the Hedgehog games for a couple of hours, and then I'd, I'd watch like The Mask or Ace Ventura Pet Detective. And yeah, they're really playing up on this because Jim Carrey is like doing his in living color, overacting Bette Midler shtick. And it's been a little over 20 years since he last did it. And I, I forgot how tired I was of it. But uh, you liked Jim Carrey. I did like Jim Carrey. Yeah. I love Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I was nine, I loved Jim Carrey, too. And it's just, it's just him yelling out lines really loud. I mean, uh, you, you laughed the most often whenever Jim Carrey said something. Yes, I did. And you probably would expect that. Yeah, yeah, I was expecting that. Jim Carrey is the funniest man in the world if you're nine. Yes, he is. Right. Anyone who's nine is listening to this should go watch Jim Carrey. Yeah, except maybe Liar Liar. Oh, and the cable guy. Cable guy gets dark. Uh, yeah, moving on to uh, less interesting but necessary roles, at least for uh, the type of script that this is. James Marsden is Tom, the Donut Lord. I thought he was fine in this. For most of the film, he's uh, interacting with a statue that they're going to fill in with a cartoon hedgehog later on. It was interesting looking at stills of... They didn't, like, put a tennis ball where the uh, Sonic's eyeline was. They, like, built this little Sonic statue. It was, like, this blue chrome thing and put it in the car next to him. And he, and he had to talk to it like it was a person. <laughs> I, he, he seems to be acquitting himself okay. I, I, I think he's just happy that he's in a major role where he isn't playing a cuckold. Toby doesn't know what a cuckold is and nobody tell him yet. I don't think he's ready. But, yeah, apparently... Uh, it was almost going to be Paul Rudd. I, I'm not sure how that would have gone down. But, uh, yeah, uh, Tom. Tom's a little sassy. He banters back and forth with Robotnik when he's not punching him in the face in his giant, you know, robot hovercraft. Maybe maybe they wrote those uh, lines of dialogue with uh, Rudd in mind. And then uh, Tika Sumter doing the very thankless job as Maddie. I mean, she's fine. Did She sells it. Uh, did you think anything of Maddie one way or the other? No. Yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised. However, uh, Maddie's sister, I didn't mention her in the in the recap. She disapproves of Tom for some reason. She thinks her sister can do better, I guess, than marrying a small-town cop. And yeah, this the whole scene where she's like tied to the chair because she wants to call the government to recover the alien. Apparently, she doesn't sympathize with E.T. I've uh, got nothing to say about that. Oh, uh, you, you got nothing to say about that? Little niece bouncing around saying she has to go fast while her mom's just tied to the chair being like, Get my Fitbit! I at least get some steps in. <laughs> yeah, you laughed during that. You laughed when I repeated it. You had something to say, even if it was tee-hee-hee. Okay, sorry. Yeah, you should be sorry. Here's the thing. The, as I mentioned a couple of times, usually the thing with my co-hosts is, is that I'll pick the movie and then the next one I'll let them do it. And yeah, we're doing this because Toby wanted to do it. You made me watch Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> this is a symbol of how much I love you. I know it is. Yeah. Yeah, I sacrificed a lot today. One hour and 38 minutes, exactly. You didn't sacrifice anything. It was a good movie. Once again, I admire the fact that you are sticking with that. You are not changing your mind just because I disagree with you. I, I, I admire that. I will never change my mind. Well, I don't know. Maybe you'll re revisit it when you're 25 and, you know, <laughs> life has ground you down a bit more and you're, you're as jaded and bitter as I am.
Okay, let's talk about the production. Uh, the film rights were first optioned in 1993 when Sonic got his cartoon adaptations, but uh, it was abandoned because of the failure of the film versions of Super Mario Brothers and Street Fighter. Yeah, I don't think we told you that there is a Super Mario movie from the 90s. There's a reason we didn't tell you. You could have told me! Oh, oh, if you, if you ever revisit it, you will thank us. Anyways, uh, Paramount acquired the film rights in uh, 2017 and been bouncing around ever uh, beforehand. Uh, early drafts had Sonic taking his supersonic form, that is, that is when he turns yellow, like a Super Saiyan. But it was decided to save that for a sequel. That part where Sonic seems dead, but then he wakes up and blue electricity shoots everywhere and he fights Robotnik, that could have been the supersonic form. Of course, he has to collect all the Chaos Emeralds first, but I'm not sure if he has to do that anymore. Because that was when I was a kid, but I'm not sure if that still tracks. Also, uh, Tails was more present in the earlier drafts, but the uh, character's role was reduced uh, in order to focus on Sonic and Robotnik's dynamic. They thought they'd have Tails show up in an after credit scene here and then have them become buddies in the next one. Yeah, uh, were you disappointed in the lack of Tails in this? I thought my mom would have been, but I am a little bit disappointed. But I am not very disappointed. My mom would have been very Mom likes Tails. Mom loves Tails. Yeah, how do you feel about Tails? Okay in some movies, but I don't think he should be in every single Sonic thing in the world. I mean, yeah, when we were playing Sonic Mania, uh, you you switched between Sonic and Knuckles. You, you you weren't a big Tails guy. I'm not a big Tails guy. I love Knuckles and Sonic. Those are my favorite two Sonic characters. I couldn't name any other ones. I mean, Amy Rose and Shadow. I, I suppose those characters have their fans, but I I, I was never crazy about either of them. Anyways, uh, the visual effects were developed by, this is the laundry list, Moving Picture Company, Mars Animation, Planet Blur Studios, Tricksite, uh, Trickster, rather, and Digital Domain. And if there is one thing you know about the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, is that at first they designed a, scare quotes, realistic version of Sonic. With fur, two separate eyes, a humanoid physique, particularly around his legs. They gave him, like, humanoid runner's legs. And eerily detailed teeth. Sega had disapproved of this character design, but Paramount was fine with it. They expected the Sonic fandom to object, but assumed that general audiences wouldn't care. Because in uh, 2014, they made a live-action uh, Ninja Turtles film. And they had these ugly designs for the Ninja Turtles, but, uh, you know, those, those movies made money anyways. That's, a, that's another thing that we, we didn't tell you about, that they were two Ninja Turtles movies that came out in 2014 and 2017. Your mom went out of her way to make sure you didn't find out about them. Why? Because they're hideous and Michael Day is involved. Oh, okay. I don't blame you anymore. Yeah, you, you, you'd you want to watch them. I would have, but I'm not really into Ninja Turtles anymore since I'm nine years old. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that was like two whole years ago. I was into Ninja Turtles like two whole years ago. And then... I mean, two years is a long time when you're nine. Yep, yep. Yeah, not me. I'm stuck. But, uh, yeah, they thought that the more realistic Sonic would mesh better with the real-world setting. However, when the first trailer came out, uh, it generated wild criticism. Twitter melted down more than it usually did. And it was mostly just a, a cross between abject horror and just endless mockery. At that point, Paramount promised that they were going to revise the design. Uh, the film was delayed from November 8th, 2019 to February 14th, uh, 2020 to, uh, to get time for the studios to do it. It took about five months, and 
you know, most stories circulating around that period uh, were about a thing called crunch, uh, things on um, uh, surrounding digital animators and uh, video game designers who were, were expected to work like ridiculous 18-hour days, just torture their bodies in order to get something out uh, before deadline and, and how, uh, how inhumane that was. Paramount insisted that they gave the animation team adequate time to do it. I'm not sure if they're telling the truth or not, but I haven't heard anything uh, contrary. Mars Animation Planet was brought on to fix the character. Once again, it was five months. It added five million to the budget, uh, and the animators were promptly laid off after the job was finished. So, yeah... Well, we got a Sonic that looked closer to the video games, and I was able to sit through this movie without, like, screaming at a Cronenbergian nightmare, so I, I, I suppose there's that. Now, uh, the music of the film, uh, it was composed by Junkie XL, who was apparently going by his real name of Tom something or other. Uh, he had worked with executive producer uh, Tim Miller on uh, Deadpool, and he used uh, Yamaha FM synthesizers because they're good at mimicking the sound card that would be in a uh, 16-bit Sega Genesis. Yeah, uh, there's a song in this called Speed Me Up by Wiz Khalifa, Ty Dolla Sign, Lil Yachty, and uh, Suka the Child. I have never heard it before seeing this film, but apparently it was a hit because it got 15 million streams and there was a promotional TikTok challenge that got 1.8 billion views. I am 35, so I'm not into TikTok. Like, people who are old on TikTok are like 25. Are you into TikTok, Toby? Why would you expect me to? Well, you're young. I suppose you're not a teenager. I am not into TikTok at all. What? 80% of the people at my school are into TikTok. Maybe they're trying to tie in a TikTok because Sonic flosses. Now, uh, Rachel, perpetual co-host Rachel, she told me that this movie was good and that I should be nice to it. And she says, Sonic flosses, but he only does it once. She lied. He does it twice. <laughs> but yeah, the film also has references to uh, Masato uh, Nakamura's score to the Sonic the Hedgehog game. I picked up a... Um, Tinkling piano rendition of the Green Hill Zone when when the when Doctor Robotnik is trashed and uh, Tom and Maddie return to uh, Green Hills, Montana. Also, uh, a song called "Friends" by the Hyper Potions from Sonic Mania was used in the very beginning when we see Sonic's world. As I said, the reception of this film was pretty good. Uh, the final budget was around ninety-five million. It made three hundred and six point eight million. It was. One of the last films that got to play in theaters before the pandemic shut everything down. It got middling reviews, mostly for its uh, simplistic story and uh, cliche visuals. Uh, the film was dubbed forgettable, more or less. Uh, it's not seen as anything different from, say, the CGI in Real World Smurfs movie or the CGI in Real World Alvin and the Chipmunks movie. And they did one for Yogi Bear, and there's an Easter Bunny one. I think they're making another Easter Bunny one. And, yeah, it's basically one of those. Most people said it would probably amuse kids, which, from my personal experiences, was true. People were a bit split on Jim Carrey's attempt to recapture the manic energy of his 90s performances. Some people are really into it, and some people weren't. Now it's time to talk about the themes. I think one thing, besides the road trip buddy comedy, uh, basically going on everything from um, the, the Bing Crosby uh, road movies, the Pee-wee's Big Adventure, a million others. There's a Looney Tunes one from uh, the early 2000s. And there's also the idea of small town American values. There are so many films made by cynical Hollywood people that are about how real Americans living in the areas that consume Hollywood movies are salt of the earth, decent folk. 
and that there's nothing wrong with them, and we should embrace and acknowledge that. And I hear that in films, and I hear that in political ads, and I hear that in everything, and that's the way it comes across in this. I'm born and raised in the metro Boston area, but it was a smallish town on the uh, on the outside of it. My high school graduating class only had a couple hundred people in it, so I think I'm at least sort of from a small town, maybe not a, a rural one, but I still find the messages of these things to be pretty condescending. And it's uh, it's very on the nose, especially with Dr. Robotnik, because Jim Carrey plays him as this arrogant guy who comes in and talks about how he's going to show a thing or two to Cletus and how he's so much better from than you because, because he got a PhD and he's smart and you're dumb, you oaky, cud-chewing, hillbilly type. <laughs> Yeah, another thing uh, that is pointed out in a couple of uh, reviews of this film is the very awkwardly shoot-in po- uh, product placement. They wrote two gags around the Olive Garden. They have Tom and Maddie, like, jokingly but not really, uh, talk about how when you're here, you're family, which is their tagline. And uh, after the government covers everything up, they uh, thank Tom and Maddie for their uh, invaluable assistance by giving them a, a $50 Olive Garden gift card. <laughs> In reference to just how the never-ending possible and the breadsticks are just so delightful. Now, when people talk about product placement in films, they talk about the idea of there being like ulterior subliminal messaging, like telling someone to drink Coke, uh, like buried in the, in the sound. And that doesn't work. The, the real reason that product placement exists in films isn't because they think that you're such a rube that if you see Olive Garden in a Sonic movie, you will immediately run out to your nearest Olive Garden and get a never-ending pasta bowl. But they do think that you will associate their brand with Sonic the Hedgehog. And, you know, the next time you're playing Sonic, maybe a couple of months from now, you start to get a little hungry and he's like, hey, I haven't been to the Olive Garden in a while. Remember when, remember when Sonic made that reference to those tasty breadsticks i could go for some tasty breadsticks so every time you see sonic you're gonna think of the olive garden isn't that right toby no yeah you're defying them i am defying them are you mad at me for it yeah i'm outraged i mean the good people at olive garden went through a lot of trouble to make sure that you associate their brand with sonic the hedgehog and there is a fast food chain that is called sonic one would think the brand synergy would be a no-brainer, but I guess the Olive Garden outbid them. Okay, let's talk about the possible sequel, because this film has two after-credits things, because that's the sort of thing we have these days, and they, they very clearly want to make more of them. Uh, there's, there's a wide back door. Carrie is interested in playing Robotnik again. He says that it was a challenge to him as an actor to play a guy with a triple-digit IQ, and he says that Robotnik's story isn't done yet. Marsden has also signed on for more. I'm not sure if I really need to see Donut Lord anymore. I mean, he was okay in this, but Marsden's usually fine director, Jeff Fowler, I haven't actually mentioned the name of the director yet, uh, he claims that the sequel have more ties to the games. Personally, I kind of suspect that this started out as a screenplay for like a different like alien type creature, and then the studio got the rights to Sonic, and they're like, well, let's force Sonic into this story. Because aside from all of the speed gags, this could have been any cartoon character. Now, uh, Ben Schwartz, who voices Sonic in this film, uh, claims that the pandemic is preventing the sequel from being greenlit, but it made more than three times its budget. It's probably going to happen. And one of the reasons that they included that Mushroom Planet is because apparently they're talking to Nintendo about making like a Mario Sonic the Hedgehog crossover film, and they wanted to uh, keep things open for that, because Mario's getting a movie at at some point. Um... 
Illumination, the people who make those like Despicable Me and Minions movies, uh, they're, they're making a Mario movie, and I, I guess if it works out, there could be a there could be a Sonic and Mario movie because there have been a couple of Sonic and Mario games. You know what would be awesome? What? If there was a um, Sonic Mario crossover war thing where all the Sonic characters went up all against all the Mario characters. I mean, yeah, we have Smash Brothers and Sonic's in that, but yeah, none of the other subsidiary Sonic characters are in it. It's, I mean, yeah, Smash Brothers is a Nintendo property, so they're going to give themselves the priority. But I mean, Daisy's a playable character. You can, you can't throw a bone to Tails. We could use another flying guy. Yes, we could. Okay, well, uh, that covers everything in my notes. Is there anything about the Sonic the Hedgehog film that we haven't talked about that you would like to bring up? No. <laughs> Okay, you are good. That, that That is the full extent of your thoughts about this. And uh, yeah, we got a half hour out of it, so I'm satisfied. Uh, good night, everybody. See you next time. Bye.